aim this morning is that uh, you will know and feel the love of Christ and that we would be people who, who share it. Uh, we're in a series on the church and uh, we're in the last one this morning and we're talking about reaching out with the love of Christ to those around us. And uh, this is a crucial subject in this day. We have been going through a series on what we feel like God's called us to here, real life transformation to see the change in who we are into who he is and to allow him to do whatever's necessary to affect that change. And then the strategy that we feel he's called us to and how we're to connect and opportunities to connect with him and with one another and with the lost through risen life here. And then um, our, the call he has on us to grow in our knowledge of him, our relationship with him. And then last week we looked at serve, opportunities to serve the kingdom and in serving one another to manifest, Hebrews 6.10, the love that we have for God. And aren't we thankful that he, he recognizes, he keeps track of that. Today we're talking about reach and the importance of reaching our community with the gospel of Christ. And this is a critical day. Uh, if you look at our world and where we're hap- what's happening and the volatility of it all, we realize that the days easily could be drawing to a close when Christ will return. We know that could be a possibility. We see all the possibilities, all the things happening that let us know that maybe that could happen. And, and uh, you know, when we think about this particular sermon, the urgency of this particular sermon is greater than all the rest. Because when you think about heaven and what will occur there, uh, we will connect with one another uh, in heaven. We will still grow in heaven. There's more to learn about God for all eternity. It'll be a glorious thing to keep knowing and learning and growing in who God is. And we will be able to serve one another. I think much like we have earth without sin, we'll be able to serve one another. But when heaven arrives, there will be no more opportunity to reach lost people. This is a message for today. The urgency is high. And so I, I trust that we will, the Holy Spirit will impress on our hearts uh, this matter of, of reaching out to lost people. So let's look in Colossians chapter 4 for a few minutes. I should have already given you that verse. I'm sorry about that. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. And we're going to look at it in, in uh, three aspects this morning of um, what, what this one short passage is calling us to do in terms of reaching the world around us. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, he, he says, First off, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We want to look at these verses in in three areas. First off, these passages deal with our prayer life when it talks in verse 2 about pray and watch. Secondly, it deals with our spoken life in verses 3 and 4 when it talks about pray for an open door. And then thirdly, it talks about our daily life. Conduct yourselves wisely in verses 5 and 6. So first off, let's look at our prayer life, pray and watch in verse 2. Yeah, and it says, continue steadfastly in prayer and be watchful with thanksgiving. And we, we talk a lot about pray and watch here, to, to pray for neighbors, to pray for friends, to pray for people who encounter, that God would open their hearts to the gospel and look for opportunities to love them in Jesus' name and to share the words of the gospel with them. And we start here... And I think this text, which is this text of outreach, starts here 
because we know that only God can change the heart. God is the one who moves in the Spirit to change us, bring us alive to respond to Him. And so we can try all day long to convince somebody, but unless God is the one who moves in the heart, they will not change. And so we, we pray and say, God, this is, this is your work. We are joining you in your mission and what you want to accomplish. You love lost people. Do the work, please, in the friends that I have and the neighbors that I reach out to. Change them, please, in Jesus' name. We, we recognize and we admit that God is the one who starts the conversation. It is His work to draw people to Himself. Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, Nobody comes to me unless the Father has drawn Him. It is God's work to bring people to salvation. But He invites us into that work by making us aware of the need, and we pray for it. And when you have stepped into that need, how many times have you started a conversation with someone only to find or hear them say, you know, I was thinking about that just the other day. You would not believe what's been going on in my life. How many times has God gone before, prepared the soil for you to have an opportunity to speak? And we say, well, I wish I would see more people get saved. Don't worry about them getting saved. We're going to talk about that more later. It is our responsibility to step into this opportunity and it begins with, God, I just want to be aware of the fact. I want to confess the fact that you are the one who begins this conversation. And I begin that confession by engaging myself in prayer. I'm going to pray for the folks around me and watch for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 to 4 says some similar things and adds a little bit to it. It says, first of all then... I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So we're to pray for all kinds of people, particularly people in leadership. Now listen why. This is good and is pleasing in, God the, in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you hear God's heart here? God desires all people to be saved. He wants people to come to himself. And so there's lots we can pray for for people. We should pray for our president for wisdom and guidance. And that he would have uh, a heart of, of kindness toward people and govern well. But more than anything else, we should pray for people's salvation. What they need more than anything else is to know Jesus and to walk with Him. And so we pray, God, open up the hearts, change them, draw them to Yourself, do a work in their hearts that they would come to find and know Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. And we pray for people because we have no idea what, go what is going on in their lives. We don't know how God's already been speaking to them. And friends, witnessing is often like one of those seeing-eye doors. It's like an automatic door. I open the door for Donna every chance I get. I just step in front of her and it opens. You know, it's just miraculous. But anyway, witnessing is often like that. You don't know what's on the other side of that door. You don't know what opportunity God is going to give you until you step into it and give it a shot. How many of you have ever been afraid to share the gospel? Anybody? You know, do you know what, do you know what Jesus told Paul? Paul was in Corinth and he had just come out of a town where they'd beat him up and that'll, that'll mess up anybody's day. Right? I don't know if I'm really called for this or not. But he's praying one night. And Jesus, this is such an important issue that Jesus appeared to him in a vision in Acts chapter 18. It's a great passage. And he, he comes to him and the first thing that he tells Paul is, do not be afraid. Don't stop speaking. Do not be silent. I am with you. And here's what he said. Nobody's going to attack or harm you here. Because I have many people in this city. 
And friends, we don't know what God's doing in the lives of the people that are next door to us, that are in the cubicle next to us. We don't know what's going on in their lives. And so we just pray for opportunities. God, how are you working in their lives? And how can I be involved in it? Praying is just us being willing to say, make me aware. God, I'm available. So the Bible tells us to pray. The Lord of the harvest has sent forth laborers, and he does. We find that he quickly sends us. When we pray that people will share Christ, laborers will be sent very often in the scriptures, we are the first ones to go. And, and what I like about praying these prayers is it puts us on alert for who people God, God is bringing into our path. We suddenly have our antennas up and our radar on to who God is speaking to. And, and it feels like when I pray in the morning for people, and people I'm going to come across and praying for neighbors, that then when I see them, suddenly I realize God has brought them across my path. I have a purpose and a meaning in this interaction. It's, it's more than just the annoyance of seeing my neighbors one more time in my pajamas as I'm pulling my garbage bucket out this week. But it, it actually, I have a purpose in seeing them because I've been praying for them. And it is an exciting way to live. Are your pajamas plaid? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. The answer is, you know the answer to that. Huh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information. Anyway. Okay. 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 Getting back to what, what does matter. Listen. Praying makes us attuned. Praying makes us attuned to the need. It makes us aware of the need. And so Paul says, first off, pray and watch. How many of you ever prayed for your kid to get a job? Oh, God, please. <laughs> and so what do you do? You're praying for him, and so now you're... T- How many of you ever prayed for your kid to get a spouse? And so we, that makes us attuned to it, and so we begin to watch. And we ask them, how's the dating process going? Now, it's easy as parents to nag. We are not nag. We don't want to do that, right? But it, it makes us aware of the need, and, and we want to step into that need. And friends, that's what happens when we begin to pray for the salvation of those around us. It makes us attuned to the need. And if there's any place in this country that there is a vast, a great need, it is where you live. It's this valley, this place needs the gospel. Yeah, and it, it gives purpose to everything you do. When you go to that gas station to pump your gas, there is a person through that glass door at that quick stop that needs Jesus. And when you go into the bank and you come face-to-face with a teller there, there is a group of people there that need Jesus. And there's a way you can conduct yourself and your words and the kindnesses that can make Jesus known and great. Everything you do, you go through the grocery store line, you know, don't just go to the quick check that gets you out with your credit card and, you know, but go to somebody that that gives you a face-to-face contact. Show the love of Jesus. Wherever you go, it gives you such purpose. Uh, as you live your life out. And friends, the reality is each one of us are in a unique cultural position and a unique cultural place to share the gospel. Alex said this past yesterday at the men's retreat, we're all preachers somewhere. We're just the hands extended of the preaching that's done here. And you find yourselves in places that we will never have the opportunity to go. You, you have co-workers and friends and neighbors who need the gospel that we will never meet. They are your calling. They are your responsibility. It is our responsibility to equip you. And frankly, you're going to meet more lost folks than we will because you work with lost folks and we work with each other. Now, Kevin, I've led him to the Lord five times since he's been here. And he's led me like eight or nine. I forget what it is, but we got to keep practice. You know, you, you have more opportunities than we do. And so we want to encourage you, pray for those that you live life with because you are the ones to take them the gospel. 
So we've given you a little tool, and uh, if you've been at Risen Life for a while, um, you are aware of this. We think this is the best reminder to be involved in the harvest field, and, and it is a little card we call Pray and Watch card, and you have one in your bulletin in front of you if you've got a bulletin. If not, there are some on the way out here this morning. In fact, we'll have people handing them out on the way out. But it's an opportunity for you to put this on your refrigerator, someplace you'll see it, to remind you that you're on mission for God. And an opportunity on the back with Colossians 4.2 to pray and watch to list some people here that you are praying for regularly. Uh, put, those, put this in a place you see it. And, and when you see it, pray for them. When you, and, and as you walk through your life, through your day, when you encounter people, pray for them. God says pray and, and be watchful and look for opportunities. And so we encourage you to do this. It's just a little way to remind ourselves that we're not just walking through life aimlessly, but we're walking through life with purpose and we are people that need to, to, to respond to Christ and pray for them and watch for opportunity. So this is the first of the three approaches that Paul deals with in this, in this passage. Pray and watch. Our prayer life impacts the lives of people. And so we say, okay, I'm glad to pray and I'm glad to live a Christian life. I want to do lifestyle evangelism and, and that's a wonderful thing to do. But friends, that's verses 5 and 6. Verses 3 and 4 deal with our spoken life. Look at what it says in verses 3 and 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Friends, the goal of pray and watch is that people will hear the gospel and at some point that requires that we open our mouths and say something. The gospel is not delivered by divine revelation or osmosis. It is delivered by the faithfulness of a preacher, faithfulness of a Christian who's willing to stand up and say, here, let me tell you about Christ. And whether it's as complex as a Sunday morning sermon or as simple as sitting across the table over a cup of tea, it's to share with them the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. That is each one of our responsibilities, to be able to declare that in words. Yeah, we are called to speak the gospel, every one of us. You know how many preachers there are here this morning? Some of you might be new, you're looking, my gosh, we're two preachers going today, right? <laughs> Every one of you are a preacher of the gospel. Every one of you. And we are to speak the words of the gospel. We're to love people, yes, but it is the actual words of the gospel that save people when they hear the message. And so we want to be really clear about what this message is and what we are to say. And so we've got 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, which I think speaks clearly. It even says, this is the gospel. Now, here it is. Here's what we are to say. Listen, listen now. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you have been saved. So here's the gospel. Here's what saved you. Verse 3, For I delivered you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So here's the gospel, in part at least now. Um, we are sinners and Jesus died for our sins. God loved us so much He didn't leave us in that place of rebellion. The Bible says we're separated from God because of our sins, that we were alienated from Him, enemies of Him literally. And Jesus came and He died for our sins, that we can be forgiven. And friends, it is our responsibility to be able to know and share the gospel at any opportunity that we have. I remember when I was getting started with this whole thing, I was about 18 years old, and 
And I realized, I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know what the gospel is. And so I got busy and memorized the Roman road. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9. It, it's, it's our responsibility to be able to give something. But I, I, whether it's as complex as the 1,500 pages in this Bible or as simple as four letters. I want to give you four letters. I want you to repeat these after me. This is the gospel. You ready? You ready? S. S. C. C. F. F. R. That's it. S, C, F, and R. Say it. There's the gospel. What is it? Sin. We have all sinned. We all need Christ. We are all in a terrible predicament. Sin. C is Christ did something about that sin. His death was because of my sin. F. I have faith that what he did 2,000 years ago impacts my life today. He, his sacrifice brings me forgiveness. And R. Repent. I choose to turn away from that sin. And give him my life. Friends, there's the gospel. And if you're dealing with someone and you see that they already recognize S, they already recognize they're sinners, then we don't have to beat them over the head with that. Let's take them to the next one. Christ. Introduce them to Christ. He did something about that sin. It's an invitation to take them to the next step of this process of coming to faith in Christ. And friends, every one of us can do this. Yeah, it's a very simple message. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you can just explain it, explain it that way. Each of us should have a way that works for us. It's simple enough that even a small child can explain this to their friend. And so let's, let's have a way to do that, every one of us. Now, it sounds so easy at one level, and at one level it really is. But it also is very difficult at another level because we realize that this gospel of Jesus dying for our sins, for our salvation, is also offensive to many people. In fact, the Bible tells us um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, that we literally are the smell of death to those who are perishing. Now, how many of you want to sign up for that? See, that's a hard assignment, isn't it? That, that some people find this gospel Offensive. In fact, I think that's why many people just don't even want to believe in God at all because they don't want to face Jesus. They don't want to look at their sin. They don't want to look at their rebellion. And so we do bring a message that at one level is hard for people to hear. But to those who are being saved, it's, it is the messages of life. It's, it's, the, it's the fragrance of, of life to them. And so here we are with this very challenging task of bringing this gospel to both the saved and the lost. In that passage in 2 Corinthians, he says, some are going to love us, some are going to hate us. And he says in verse 16, who is sufficient for these things? Who, who is sufficient for realizing that some people are going to dislike me just because I'm a Christian? That, that's a tough reality. But he answers that question just a few verses later in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, when he says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves. Who, who is sufficient? We're not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not by the letter, but by the Spirit. Friends, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? You have been made competent to be a minister of the gospel. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You're walking through life and you're just exuding this fragrance. Some are going to love it. Some are going to hate it. Deal with it. The ones who are drawn to it, are you ready to give them a reason for the faith, for the hope that you have placed your life on. That's what he's calling us to do. This is such an important principle. Because if all witnessing is, or all sharing our faith is, is just a task, 
we're going to get tired and we're going to wear out. It's going to become burdensome to us. But if it comes out of a heart that's been changed by Jesus, in fact, out of an intimacy of walking with Jesus and knowing him, it's a bit of a fervor that comes out of you from just walking closely with Christ, that, that he is alive in you, and when he is alive in you, as you walk with him, it will naturally flow out of you. It's called fruit. The Bible says it's, it's a fruit. It just pours out of you rather than a, a task. And so the key, I think, to being the witness that's a joyful one and one that doesn't get burdened by the task is to walk close to Jesus day by day and just let him just flow out of you in ways that, that only can do to show your friends and neighbors who he is. Friends, he said in Colossians 3, Christ, who is our life? When Christ is your life and you have experienced him in the difficulties of life, how many of us try and get away from all the hard stuff and we, we, we make sure everything's real nice? Friends, if we're not going to experience Christ in the hard stuff, then when you bump into your neighbor who is going through that difficulty, how, how are you going to share with them? When we find Christ to be our life in the middle of the difficulty, and now a lost friend is going through that same thing, now we can go to them and say, been there, yep. done that. Let me share with you what Christ yeah. did for me in my life when I was in that same situation. We use it as an opportunity to share with them, Jesus really does matter. This really is what the word witness means. It means we have seen something. It means we've experienced something. And now we're just going to speak of it. He has rescued my marriage. He has changed my kid's life. He's given me perseverance to continue going to that job that is difficult to go through. He has given me grace to endure hard financial times. When, when Jesus is real to you, then you just witness of that. We have so much in common with our world. We, all the things I just mentioned, everybody experiences all the time out there. Mm -hmm. All the time. All we have to be able to do is, is walk close to Jesus, experience Him in those circumstances, and then share how He has changed our life and been there for us. And friends, we encourage you every week, be a blessing to somebody before you leave. Ask them how you can pray for them. Here's a great way to pray for them. Pray for them that they'll be an effective witness. Because all of us get scared. All of us don't want to. But Paul looked at him and said, Pray for me in Ephesians 6 that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Friends, pray for one another. Somebody comes up, how can I pray for you? Well, I have this person I'm wanting to share the gospel with and I just don't know how to. Will you pray for me that God will give me wisdom? to know how to speak to them. And that is a totally right prayer to be praying for one another. That we'll have boldness in this city to share the gospel one more time, again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> being a witness in this city is unique. And it is challenging in so many ways. And uh, people don't move very quickly toward the gospel of Christ here. And I, I remember when I first came here um, almost eight years ago now, uh, and I remember I was so excited to share the gospel here in this new place as a pastor. And then over time, I became discouraged, and I would even say depressed, uh, over the lack of what seemed to be a movement of God in this city. And frankly, lost some of that fervor to share him. Have you ever had that happen to you? Here's Pastor Kevin, and I'm like going, I'm kind of a little tired of this. Um, and, and so I think it can happen to us. And it does. And, and that's when we have to come back and, and draw close to Jesus and, and realize that what God is calling us to is not to 
changing the life, but just being faithful to share Christ mm -hmm. with people and let him in his time. He knows what he's doing, right? Sometimes you, you, we kind of get proud and boastful and say, well, come on, God, what's going on with you? Don't you realize? But God knows what he's doing, and, and we're just here to be faithful and walk with him and share in his power. We've, we've shared the statistic with you many times. It's an old statistic that it typically takes seven positive encounters with a lost person and a Christian for that lost person to come to faith in Christ. Seven encounters. And we all want to be number seven. We all want to bring them to Christ. How many of us are willing to be number one and get punched in the face at number three and, and get discouraged at number five? Somebody's got to be five. Why, why not let it be us? Because, friends... The, the result is not our responsibility. Their response is not our responsibility. What we are called to is to be faithful. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. And he did not say it's your responsibility to change lives, to get people converted. What he did say is, in 1 Corinthians 4, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And I like what Vance Havner said, you can't get around that one. He didn't say pretty. He didn't say eloquent. He didn't say hair on top of your head, Sean. He has hair on top of his head, and I have hair on the side of my head. See, we're a, we're a complete person. He didn't say able to preach. He didn't say eloquent. He just said faithful, and you can be faithful. Are you willing to be number five in the process and leave number seven to God's determination? Results are his responsibility. Faithfulness is ours. Now, Pastor Robert and I, we both are of this conviction that, by and large, the most effective way to be a witness to people is to be their friend mm -hmm. first and to share out of those mm -hmm. friendships. If you look at who has come to know Jesus and you listen to their stories, I bet you it's 90% of people or more that have, been, um, have received the gospel from a friend or a colleague or a family member, somebody that they, that they know cared about them. However, there is that 5 to 10% that just hear the message for the first time from a rather anonymous source, which you might be at some point, and we need to be willing and ready to share the gospel with those people also. I, I was in a bike shop in Laramie, Wyoming last weekend on a Saturday, and uh, this bike shop owner was very friendly to us. I think he was interested in selling us something, and he succeeded at that, frankly. So we, we were there, and, but but something something happened. He's just sold this this. A really expensive bike, one I wouldn't be able to afford, to a person, and he like cheered him, and he like, my gosh, God is good today to me. And I said to him, that is evident. He didn't, no, I'm sorry, no, I missed this. He didn't say God is good to me today. He just said, wow, this is a good day. And I said to him, see, that's evidence that God is being good to you today. Amen. He cares about you. Notice. And he looked at me like, you're kind of some strange dude here from out of state, but, but, but nevertheless, a word aptly spoken, touches the heart. We're not discounting the difficulty of, but, but difficulty of this, but we do want to remind you of the importance. We have to share the gospel. It is our responsibility. And he said, how are they going to go if they're not sent? When we get done here today, we're going to bless you, and we're going to send you out, and you are sent as preachers. So first off, he talks with us in this passage about our prayer life in verse 2. He talks with us about our spoken life in verses 3 and 4. And then thirdly, he talks with us about our daily life. Conduct yourselves wisely. Look at what he says there in verses 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This deals with what a lot of us grown up hearing called lifestyle evangelism. Just live a life that's different. And friends, we have to live a life that's different. 
But you know what's fascinating about living a life that's different? Even in the middle of lifestyle evangelism, he tells us in verse 6, let your speech, there's still speech involved. We still are called to proclaim in some way. But he says, I want you to live a life that is consistent with the message of the gospel. This is such a sweet verse and such a good verse to just be gracious and just be kind and just be thoughtful of people around us. This is something we can do so easily. And everybody we come across, we can be thoughtful of them. You know, I I don't know where you're from or what your experience is when you came to this city, but compared to where I came from, this city is kind of rude, if you want to know the truth about it. You know, people would rather cut you off on the interstate than let you in. That's been my experience here. And uh, people are not so interested in saying hi to you as just walking by and not even acknowledging you. That seems to be the norm, at least in my experience here. And so if we can be people that are just kind and thoughtful and gracious, that just stands out to uh, a culture that is just generally rather callous, in my opinion. Of course, Kevin comes from Nebraska where everybody waves at you, and they they wave at you here, they just don't use as many fingers. (laughs) I didn't get that in the first service. (laughs) And now I'm getting it. I I knew that. (laughs) But the reality of the matter is, is everybody in Nebraska waves at you in a nice way. And so when I come here and I'm friendly, they look at me like I'm weird. And I had to really tone it down and it really upset me that I had to stop being so friendly just to be normal. I don't like it in that regard. (laughs) You know what he's calling us to do? Listen, don't live your life in such a way that it doesn't cause a distraction from the gospel. You want to be able to flow smoothly from your lifestyle into your speech. So that when you start talking about Jesus, they don't look at you and go, well, that doesn't match up with what you were doing last week. Live your life in such a way that it'll be wise toward outsiders, that we can make the best use of the time. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Just be kind to folks. There are enough folks in this city that are rude to people at the restaurants and at the checkouts and the gas station and in your home. How about if we make it, a, make it our goal to say, God, I want to be used by you to be gracious and to bring the gospel to them. You know, back to our, the first verse that we looked at this morning. It says, pray and watch and be thankful. And if we can just be people that look for opportunities to thank others... Anytime you see anybody doing something that's of benefit to you, your family, to the culture, to somebody else, say thank you for doing that. That just, right, it just, it, it just touches. People don't, don't get thanked. I had a group of, of, of men, this was men that for the, worked for the city that came to fix some cement work on our sidewalk, on, on our block here uh, this last summer. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm praying and watching. And whenever somebody shows up in front of my house uh, in the morning, uh, those are God's people that he's brought to me that day. And so here's a group of cement fixers, guys, and finishers, and and, and they're there for the city with orange, bright orange vests. And so I, I went out, and all I did was just do this thing. I just said, thank you for the work you're doing. Just so appreciate that you're fixing our sidewalk, right? And, and I, I think they look shocked. Like nobody ever thanks them. They're just expected to fix the sidewalks. But I said, thank you for doing that. And so we were talking a little bit further. And they said to me, well, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here, right here we go. So, well, I'm a pastor. 
Well, what are you doing hanging out here with us cement finishers? You know, we're drunkards and we go to strip bars and we use foul language. You don't even want to be around here in the next few minutes. What are you doing with us? Because Jesus loves you. And I've got a card. Here's my church. Come and visit Sunday morning. Right? And hand him a card. And uh, just saying thanks alerts people to the chance that there's something different about us. And maybe you've got something to share. And friends, we live in neighborhoods where sometimes we park, friends come to visit us and they park in front of our neighbor's house. And so we go talk to our neighbors and say, listen, here's what's going on. And uh, we do weird things at our house every now and then. We uh, had a project a couple of years ago where we were building some furniture and bending wood. And so you have to put, you have all these pipes and you're heating water and you put the wood in the pipes and the steam's coming out and it is putting all this steam out and you got all these weird pipes. And so I go to the neighbors and say, we're not cooking meth. <laughs> Here's some preserves. Thanks for understanding that we can be a bit odd. And you know what? We've been there ten and a half years now. And my neighbor, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, he came to me after nine, nine and a half years, said, you have no clue how thankful we are to have neighbors that are nice and that we can trust. Amen. And, I, and this dude, man, he knew what I did for a living before I did when I moved in ten years ago. You know, yeah. met me at the door. He knew what I was doing. Yeah. But by a lifestyle... God, please give us a lifestyle that doesn't distract from the gospel so that when the door opens to share the gospel with them, they will not look at us strangely and say, but your life doesn't match. We want a life that matches the message. Often in this city, people know about you. They're talking about you. They're paying attention to you. Uh, if you are living for Christ at all, they, they do talk about you, right? And, and, and half the people I've talked to and told them I'm a pastor, and the other half of the people, my neighbor, I haven't hardly talked to, but they still know I'm a pastor, and they're keeping their eyes on me. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so how we live is everything. And so, like, for example, if there's just a garbage can staying out in the street, you know, late in the day, just pull it up and put it up. Just, just be kind. Just be gracious. Just be thoughtful. And then when the time comes where you actually have the face-to-face encounter, you can be a blessing by the words you share. As ambassadors for the kingdom, as representatives of the king, that's what he said we are, we have the opportunity to show his kindness. And friends, when we show God's kindness, it is an invitation to them. Romans, Romans 2, 4 says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. When they see how good God really is, he says there's forbearance, his patience, when we, when we really get a grasp on how kind and forgiving and patient God is with us, it leads us to say, wow, thank you. I want to turn from that sin. And our lifestyle is an invitation to those around us to have that experience with Jesus. Yeah. So kind of full circle now. This is an urgent message today. Um, Jesus could return tomorrow. The stage is set. I think we need to be ready. And we need to realize that when that happens, it's we're done. So um, let's be about the gospel. Let's... Uh, Let's throw the nets out broad and wide and, and, and love people in Jesus' name and be ready to share the words. And, and then I think this morning it would be uh, right for us to just say, you know, um, maybe this is new to you. Maybe this gospel is clear to you for the first time this morning. Maybe the thought that you're just saved by grace through faith in Christ, apart from anything you do, is new to you. It is a gospel that sets you free. It gives you life. And it's only through faith in Christ alone and and if you have never just trusted him and what he did for you for your salvation, 
this morning would be a good morning to do that. We've talked to people about how to share their faith. Well, maybe you are the person that just needs to hear the gospel and just respond and give your life to Christ this morning. We'd invite you to do that. This is an urgent message. It's an urgent day. Paul said in Romans 13, the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep for salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And there were a lot of years come fall of the year. I'd preach that passage in Jeremiah 8 that says, The harvest has passed. The summer has ended and we are not saved. Friend, if you haven't accepted Christ, if you're waiting till tomorrow, tomorrow might be a better day, you haven't accepted him. My question to you would be, why not? Why haven't you? Are, are you waiting for a more appropriate time? He said, today is the day of salvation. This is the day to become a Christian. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior... If you'd talk with us afterwards, we'd be glad to share with you what God's Word, the Bible, has to say about how you can experience forgiveness of sin. As the band comes, we want to take just a few minutes to, to ask God, what is it that you're calling me to do here? What, what changes are you asking me to make? God, I, I want to live a lifestyle of representing you well, but Father, I don't want it to end there. Who, who is it that I need to just open my mouth and speak to. As the band plays, let's, let's take just a minute and ask God, what, what do you have for me in this matter of reach? And if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, would you be willing to just, in your mind, just talk to Him and say, Jesus, I don't know, but would you reveal yourself to me and let Him do that? So let's quietly pray. Maybe there's a neighbor you just need to pray for this morning. Father, we recognize there's a lot of work to be done. There's so much to be done and so little time left to do it. God, please use us. God, we come to you as your servants. We've said we're your followers. And you said that where the master is, the servant will be also. You were always out ministering to somebody that needed your help. God, help us to find ourselves there. Awaken us in this issue of pray and watch. We ask for boldness in this area of speak boldly as we ought to. And Father, we ask for consistency in this issue of living a life that does not bring a distraction from the message. God, please use us.